Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Morning. Uh, I usually invite the men, but I want to invite anybody that would like to join me here. We're going to bow at the altar and just ask God to really say uh, uh, and speak to us clearly the word that he has for us today. Ladies, you feel free to join us today. And we're just going to ask the Lord. You know what? We were just singing. Let's ask the Lord to truly, in these next few moments, make this holy ground to sanctify it. Hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. Now, we are an interdenominational church. That means sometimes we act like Baptists, and sometimes we act like Pentecostals, and a lot of other denominations. But right now, we're going to act like Pentecostals. Would you lift your voices with me? Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask you to bless this service today. Father, we pray that you will open the windows of heaven above us, that there will be a kiss from heaven today. Father, we pray that you will bless this service, bless what takes place in the next 30 or 40 minutes right here, Lord, that it will be inspired of God, holy unto the Lord, life-changing, family-changing, church-changing. We pray, Father, that this will be holy ground and that there will be a high and holy and heavenly anointing upon everything that's said and done upon every word spoken and upon every person who hears these words is our prayer of faith in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When you get back to your seats, I'd like for you to open your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, we're in a study of 1 Thessalonians, but since it's Father's Day, I wanted to jump ahead and deal with a couple of verses in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'll point the verses out to you in just a moment. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, today we're celebrating Father's Day. And, uh, yeah... Amen. And um, uh, I just wanted to say to all the, the fathers in the house, all the dads in the house, I, I just want to tell you that you are extremely important. You are important, more important than you realize, more important than you understand. Excuse me. You are very, very important. Your words are important. Uh, The way you live your life before your family is extremely important. Uh, The way you love and support your family is important. The world needs you, dads. The world needs your strength. The world needs you to be strong. 
Uh, your godly example is greatly needed in the world today. And so as your pastor, I just speak a blessing over you this morning as we begin. May God bless you. Uh, may the favor and the blessings of the Lord be upon you uh, to live for the Lord and to leave a legacy of faith for your children and your grandchildren and for the generations to come. So in the strong and wonderful and holy name of Jesus, dads, just be blessed today. Uh, we are wishing and praying blessings upon each other today. May God bless you. Now, with that in mind, before I get started, I thought since it's Father's Day, I'd share something with you guys that you might enjoy. Uh, I, I heard about a husband and wife who were celebrating their 60th birthdays together. And uh, to their surprise, an angel appeared to them. And the angel said that, that God had sent him to grant each one of them a very special wish, whatever they wanted. And the woman was so very excited. And she said, I've always wanted to travel all around the world. And no sooner did she say it than poof. And when the smoke cleared, she had a handful of tickets that would take her all around the world. And then the angel looked at the man and said, what would you like? And he was a little bit hesitant, but he finally got up the courage and he said, I've always wanted to be married to a woman 30 years younger than me. And poof, when the smoke cleared, he was 90 years old. Wrong request. <laughs> Wrong request. He should have said, I want to be the best dad in the world, the best husband, the best father in the world. That's what every man here today should be praying and asking God for. Now you should have your Bibles open to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. The first verse I want to read to you is uh, uh, verse 3. We'll read verse 3. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come. It's talking about the day of the Lord, the return of our Lord. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Now, in this verse we're told that one day a man will come. And he will be a man of lawlessness. And one day that man of lawlessness will be revealed. The world will see him. The whole world will know who he is. And he will be the most lawless man who has ever lived. He will break every law of God. Jesus Christ was the man without sin. He will be the man who is altogether sinful. He will be the opposite of Christ. That's the reason we call him the Antichrist. You have Christ, you have the Antichrist. And that verse says that he will be the son of destruction. Jesus Christ 
came into the world to save the world, he'll come into the world to destroy the world. Jesus came to bring us the truth of God, and he will come to destroy that truth in every possible way that he can. Now that's verse 3. Now look down just a few verses at verse 7, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7. For the mystery of lawlessness... Now we just read in verse 3, the man of lawlessness. So now it says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains... It will, uh, uh, only he who now restrains, it will do so until he is out of the way. So for the mystery of lawlessness. First, we read about a man of lawlessness, and now the mystery of lawlessness. One day, there will come a man, and he will be the personification of lawlessness. But in the same context, it tells us, that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work in the world. The man himself has not been revealed, but the mystery of what this man is all about is already at work in the world today. You know, as well as I do, as we look around us, we as Christians, as we study this book and as we open our eyes to see what's going on in the world, we, we know this Lawlessness is raging in our society right now. Lawlessness has reached an all-time high. It's never been this bad. It's never been this dark before. Lawlessness is rampant. Now, for those of us who are Christians, we need to be very careful. We need to make sure that the Spirit of lawlessness is not at work in our hearts and our lives. And you say, well, pastor, how in the world could that be? Well, see, the Bible calls it the mystery of lawlessness. The word mystery there means something concealed, something secret, something hidden, something that's not easily, to, uh, easily seen. Uh, the, the mystery of lawlessness we need to be careful. We need to be sure that it's not working within us. We need to be sure that we are living according to the standards of God's Word. I, I want to share with you a story. And it is a true story. And so, let me just start with this. And this is not a tie. I'll read this story to you. In Nashville, Tennessee, during the first week of January 1996, more than 4,000 baseball players and coaches descended upon the Opryland Hotel for the 52nd Annual ABCA Convention, a baseball convention. The main speaker was a retired coach by the name of John Scalinas. He was 78 years old and had been retired for five years. He shuffled, they said, to the stage 
to an impressive standing ovation and a string around his neck from which home plate hung. A full-size, white home plate pointed side down. This way. <laughs> and, uh, and so, I thought I'd try it and see if I'd get your attention. He spoke for 20 minutes, not once mentioning the prop hanging around his neck. It was a little bit distracting, and a few of the coaches were even snickering. Even those who knew Coach Scalinas had to wonder exactly where he was going with this, or if he had just simply forgotten about the home plate hanging around his neck, considering how old he was. <laughs> then finally, he said, you're probably all wondering why I'm wearing home plate around my neck. Or maybe you think I escaped from uh, Camarilla State Hospital, a mental hospital. No, he continued, I may be old, but I'm not crazy. The reason I stand before you today is to share with you baseball people what I've learned in my life, what I've learned about home plate in my 78 years. Then he asked this question. In Little League Baseball, do you know how wide home plate is? After a pause... Someone offered 17 inches? He said, that's right. In Little League Ball, the plate is 17 inches wide. And then he said, how about Babe Ruth? Any Babe Ruth coaches in the house? How wide is it in Babe Ruth? 17 inches, someone else responded. Not sure at all that that was correct, but they said it. And he said, that's right. Scalinas says, now how about high school ball? How wide is home plate in high school baseball? 17 inches, a number of them said. You're right, he responded. And how wide is home plate in college baseball? 17 inches, everybody said in unison. How about minor league ball? Everybody shouted 17 inches. Right. And in major league, how wide is home plate in the major leagues? 17 inches Everybody in the house said. And then he said, 17 inches. And then he asked this question, what do they do with a big league pitcher who can't throw the ball over these 17 inches? The answers came from the audience. Send him back to the minors. Get rid of him. All kinds of suggestions. And then he responded, what they don't do is this. They don't say, oh, that's okay, Bobby. You can't hit a 17-inch target. We'll make it 18 inches or 19 inches. We'll make it 20 inches so you have a better chance of throwing the ball over it. If you can't hit that, let us know so we can make it wider still. Say 25 inches just for you, Bobby. He paused. Coaches, he said, what do we do when our best players show up late to practice? What do we do if he violates curfew? What if he uses drugs? Do we hold him accountable? Or do we change the rules to fit him? Do we widen home plate? Nobody thought he was crazy anymore. The message was coming through loud and clear. Then he turned the plate 
toward himself like this, and using a sharpie marker, he began to draw something on it. And when he turned it around to the crowd, it was a house with a door. And this is what he said. This is the problem in our homes today with our marriages, with the way we parent our kids, with our discipline. We don't teach accountability to our kids. And there's no consequence for failing to meet standards. We widen the plate. He paused again. This time he drew something else on home plate. It was an American flag. And then he said, this is a problem in our schools today. The quality of our education is going downhill fast and teachers have been stripped of the tools they need to be successful, to educate and discipline our young people. We're allowing others to widen home plate. Where is this getting us? He went on to say, and this is the problem in the church where powerful people in positions of authority have taken advantage of young children only to make such an atroc- only to have such an atrocity swept under the rug for years, our church leaders are widening home plate. He concluded his remarks by saying, If I am lucky, Coach Scalinas concluded, you will remember one thing from this old coach today. It is this, if we fail to hold ourselves to a higher standard, a standard of what we know to be right, if we fail to hold our spouses and our children to those same standards, if we're unwilling or unable to provide a consequence when they do not meet the standard, and if our schools and our churches and our government fail to hold themselves accountable to those they serve, there is but one thing to look forward to. With that, he held the home plate up in front of his chest and then turned it around and said, this is what we've got to look forward to. Dark days ahead. Wow, what a, what a powerful illustration. One coach who was present said this about Coach Scalinas. His message was clear. Coaches, keep your players no matter how good they are, your children, and most of all, keep yourself at 17 inches. As I meditated on this illustration, I thought as Christians, we have a home plate, don't we? Don't we have a home plate? The Bible is our home plate. This is it. This is home plate. And yet we live in a day and a time when it seems like everybody, even those who are in the church, Christians and churches and denominations are trying to widen home plate. May God have mercy. If we keep doing this, what do we have to look forward to? Darkness. No. No, friends. This is our standard. You've heard me say it many times. This is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. This is home plate. This is home plate. And we need to remember that. We need to remind ourselves that this is home plate. The old, wise coach had made his point. We can't change the rules of the game 
to fit everybody's personal desires. We just can't do that. In the game of baseball, if you do that, you'll ruin the game of baseball. My mind kind of went wild after I read this illustration, and I was thinking, man, what would happen in a baseball game if everybody on the field made up their own rules and played by their own rules? Can you imagine? Some guy steps up to the batter's block, has the bat in his hand, and he says, wait, my rules are, I'm not out after three strikes. I get six strikes. Those are my rules. And if you don't allow me to play by my rules, you're discriminating against me. And then maybe somebody else would say, you know what, think about it just for a moment. This is an extremely dangerous game. You stand in a little block and somebody throws a hardball at you 90 miles an hour. I don't like that. My rules are you got to pitch to me underhanded. And I'm important too. My feelings matter. You have to give me some consideration. And then what if another player said, you know what, if I hit a fly ball deep into center field and you catch it, you have to drop it because it's just not fair for me to hit a good ball and be out. <laughs> That's not fair at all. I want some consideration here. And since I'm dabbling in the ridiculous, let me just, let me go a little farther. What if some guy, maybe an older player said, the game's not fair because we hit the ball and run the bases. And the reason the game's not fair is because we don't all run at the same pace. Some guys are faster than other guys. So I want us to hit the ball and all walk the bases. We'll just walk them at the same pace. That makes it fair for us older guys. Yes? Let's change the rules. Let's accommodate everybody. Let's make everybody happy. Let, let's make it where everybody is on the same level. Oh, I don't want to forget this one. Somebody says, you know what, I just don't like the idea in a baseball game of somebody winning and somebody losing. You know, if you lose the game and you tell them they've lost the game, you're insinuating they're a loser. And if you tell somebody they're a loser, that's damaging to their self-esteem. And that's just un-American to tell somebody they're a loser. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't that be un-American? So I don't think we ought to do that. From now on, at the end of every baseball game, I think both teams should be declared winners. Everybody's going all the way. Right? Everybody. Everybody wins. You think I'm off base? Everybody goes to heaven. That's what our society is saying. I know this isn't good humor, but I tell folks I've been in this county for 30 years. I've been going to funerals everywhere. Nobody's died and gone to hell in Wakala County in 30 years. (laughs) 
Everybody's a winner. Everybody's going to the World Series. Everybody's going to heaven. Everybody. What have we done? We've widened home plate. We've widened home plate. God have mercy on us. Indulge me just one more time. What if, what if there is some guy, and he's like the worst baseball player in the world, he couldn't throw it over a 30-inch plate, much less a 17-inch plate, and what if he says this? Listen up now. What if he says, I feel like a great pitcher. That's how I see myself. In fact, I feel like a gold glove award-winning pitcher. That's how I feel. Now, you may not see me that way, but if that's the way I feel, then that's who I am. And you're discriminating against me. Right? You hear me? Because that's who I am. And you're discriminating against me if you don't allow me to pitch in the World Series game if I want to. Because that's how I see myself. You see, friends, when we begin to widen home plate, then there is no limit to how ridiculous and insane things can get in our society. There's just no limit. And uh, you know what's going on in America today? We're widening home plate. We change the rules daily. We just keep getting broader and broader and broader. We're, we're trying to include everybody and accommodate everybody and everything. And I'm telling you, when you do that, that turns our society into something as insane as a baseball game where everybody makes up their own rules. Amen. Now, let's not talk about America just for a second. Let's talk about you and me. If we are not careful, I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to spiritual leaders in this church and teachers, I'm talking to workers. If we are not careful. We will want to play the game of life with two sets of rules. One set of rules for me and my family and another set of rules for everybody else. Friends, we can't do that. And we need to be careful that we don't try to do that. Some years ago there was a man in our church and, and I loved him and he loved me, and, but he had a problem. He had a drinking problem. And uh, every now and then, he'd just start drinking and start driving. And thank the Lord that I know of, he never killed anybody. But they caught him. And then they caught him the second time. And then they caught him the third time. And this time it was, it, was, it was serious. And so they put him in jail. And they were getting ready to send him off. Or I, I don't know the, where we were in the procedures, but the conversation is what I want to remind you of. I'll tell you about. And I wanted to help this guy. 
I, I wanted to be there for him as a pastor. Shouldn't I do that? Shouldn't I be there to help him and try to minister to him? And I did that. But I got this wise idea, and I say that sarcastically, that I'd call the state attorney Willie Meggs. I'd known Willie. We'd served on the Juvenile Justice Council together, and so I called Willie Meggs, and I, I could take you to the spot where I was standing when I was talking to him, and I said, Willie, I need your help. He said, what do you need? I said, I got a guy in my church, uh, third, uh, third time he's been caught for drinking and driving. I think they're getting ready to send him off to jail. And I said, can you help me? He said, maybe. Maybe. He said, maybe I can help you. But he said, first of all, I want to ask you a question. And I want you to answer me. It's what Willie Max asked me. He said, what is it about you preachers that you want us to be tough on crime unless it's somebody you know? I, I didn't say anything. He said, no. I want, to hear, I want you to tell me. He said, you preachers want us to be tough on crime unless it's somebody you know, unless it's somebody in your family. I said, well, what should I do? He said, you need to minister to him the best you know how and you need to let him go to jail. You need, before he kills somebody. And I said, what would you do? And Willie Mack said to me, if he were my friend, I'd let him go to jail. I wouldn't help him if I could. Do we have two sets of standards? Let me tell you something, friends. For you, for me, for our families, for our church, we need to have one set of standards. And it needs to be home plate. Now, just so you won't misinterpret this message. If you break the rules, if somebody in your family breaks the rules, if somebody in this church breaks the rules, make no mistake about it. Grace and mercy and forgiveness and restoration is available. If we are willing to repent and ask God to forgive us and acknowledge that what we've done is wrong. Amen. But on the other hand, if we try to change the rules, if we try to widen home plate to accommodate our lifestyles, if we try to live outside the parameters and the standards of God's will for our lives, make no mistake about it, grace and mercy and forgiveness is not available to you. Got pretty quiet then, didn't it? Jesus said, except you repent, you will also likewise perish. Oh, there's forgiveness. The blood of the Lamb will cleanse us. It'll make us holy. It'll change our lives. It'll renew us. And it will refresh us when we are willing to admit that we are sinners. And that we've made mistakes. And that what we've done doesn't line up with God's Word. But trust me, friends, you and I do not get to change the rules. Amen. 
We don't get to widen home plate and say, I'm going to live out here and it'll be covered under God's grace. We don't. So, fathers, grandfathers, those of you who have a fatherly influence over somebody, young men who will one day be fathers, I'm asking you to make a commitment this morning. This is the commitment I'm asking you to make. To say, you know what? God has given us a standard. This is home plate. And I'm asking you to say, you know what? I will embrace this. And I will hold myself accountable to this home plate. 17 inches and no more. I will accept it. And I'll hold my family and my children and my church accountable to home plate. See, I'm asking you to make a commitment. And when somebody in your family or somebody in this church breaks the rules, then let's love them. Let's minister to them. Let's restore them. Let's do everything in our power to help them in every possible way. But what we cannot do is change the rules to accommodate them. You just can't do that. I'm asking you to make a commitment to say, God's Word will be my standard for my life and for my children and for my family. And I will not change it for myself, for my family, or for anybody else for that matter. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.